This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to uh, Ishtar's Essentials class. Uh, we are here in the holy city of Jerusalem where we are getting the wisdom, the ancient wisdom of Israel from thousands of years ago. We are of the ancient tribes. And this particular tribe is known for its wisdom. Our tribe is a wisdom tribe. And today we'll, uh, we'll learn, uh, hopefully, some nice nuggets. Y'all ready? Yeah. Okay, today we're going to be more uh, discussing Kabbalah. So I think you'll enjoy it. And I think you'll learn a lot as a result. If anyone would like to, a um, uh, couple opportunities... Uh, one opportunity is to pull out your your smartphones if you have Facebook and and um, share. You can click the page. It's Rabbi Yom Tov. Rabbi Yom Tov. Pull out Facebook, share. Hits more people. More people get connected, which is always good. And uh, also beats Facebook because Facebook, when you post on live Facebook, they perfectly make sure if they see you're doing it daily, they stop sending it out. So either I or someone else would like to. I spend 75 shekels. I pay for my own classes. I spend 75 shekels a day just hitting boost unless someone wants to take, sponsor the class. Every few days someone sponsors. But just to boost it because you know what they do? They specifically make sure no one takes it. It's ridiculous. That no one uh, gets it. And you know that? Be careful how often you post. If you post a lot, you hit their algorithm, you're out because they realize they can make some money there. Okay? Here we go. We're going to be taking six steps. These are steps. They're not leaps. They're steps. We're taking six steps. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start with the following question. Before there was something, if you don't mind, I'm going to use text messaging. Before there was something, what was there? Before there was something, what was there? This isn't a big trick question here. It's pretty easy. What? Nothing. Very good. Before there was something, there was nothing. And that's whether you're coming from physics or that's if you're coming from Torah. Before there was something, there was nothing. Now, of course, physics departments all over the world are, are set up. It's called theoretical physics. Their job is to figure out. Their, I mean, there's millions of grant, dollars in grant money that are set up, maybe more than millions, to figure out what is this nothing that precedes the something. What happened? Oh, thank you so much. Yesterday, no one even said anything. Oh, oh it's because I never, uh, this thing didn't kick in. One sec, it has a button. They're spending millions of dollars in theoretical physics departments to figure out what this nothing is. Why? Why would they do that? <laughs> it's a little funny to try to, like, you know, figure out what nothing is. You guys want to put your money in figuring out what nothing is? It's a strange thing. Why would they do it, though? There's a reason they do it. Who can figure it out? Who can figure out what you got? Why, why are you spending all this money on figuring out what nothing is? That the, you, want, you want to invest in the, in the physics departments, theoretical physics? Are we talking about the Big Bang Theory? And if you want to go Big guard, Bang, guard particle. we're not really on that right now, but if you'd like to start with Big Bang, so then we're talking about before the Big Bang. We're just talking about pre-creation. So that would be God. <laughs> Don't get so religious on me. We're only on step one. Okay. <laughs> so, 
So, so the um, who knows why? Why would you spend millions of dollars trying to figure out? Because it doesn't make sense. Like excellent, excellent. You got it. You got it. Because what does nothing make? What does nothing make? Nothing. Excellent. If we had nothing in this room, we sealed off the windows, sealed off the doors, and we kept it guarded for hundreds of years. And we finally opened it up. What would be inside there? Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. makes nothing. Everyone try that. Nothing makes nothing. Say nothing that. Makes nothing. Nothing. nothing makes nothing. Okay, very good. Now, by the way, we're, uh, we're, on, we're almost at our amazing five-second proof of God. You ever heard the proof of God in five, five seconds? An incontrovertible proof of God. It's from the Rambam. It's not my own. But I've got it down to five seconds. I'm not sure he said it in five seconds. <laughs> he lived in a different generation. People had a little more intention span than five-second proofs of God. So, anyway, but before there was something, there was nothing. And here we go. The five-second proof of God. Okay? Before there was something, there was nothing. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. That's it. I think I got it down from five seconds. I think we're down to four. Should I say that again? Back over your head, cousin? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. What's your first name again? Michael. Michael. Before there was something, there was nothing. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. Okay? You got it? Yeah. All right. We're going uh, to be on best behavior today, okay? As far as loud laughing. Got it? You good? Everyone's like, why is he doing this to her? <laughs> You'll see. Okay, so <laughs> you're allowed to laugh with all of us. Okay, with all of us. Yeah? Wouldn't God be something Before something, there's nothing. Nothing makes nothing. So it must be God. God is something, right? Depends on the definition of something. Let me keep rolling and we'll, we'll answer that as we go. Okay, um, we're clear? So that nothing is actually God, which means we got to like roll back the clock on like Hebrew school and all the things they told us about God. Everything you ever were taught about God in your life, you have to just kind of suspend it. Got to suspend it. It's an infinite being. I mean, we'll never get our mind around it. Let's say this guy over here. What's your name? Brandon. Let's say Brandon. We're all we're all on some group together, eclectic group, and we all go to spot. And Brandon, you know, we hear a little Kabbalah class from uh, Avram Lowenthal, the Kabbalistic artist. Yeah. And, um, and he, Brandon's like, that's it, guys. You go on to the Canaret. I'm staying. I got to find out who this God is. Now, let's say we come back, you know, our group comes back like 50 years later. We're like, hey, let's go find Brandon. So we go up there and we go to the spot and we're asking around, anyone know anyone named Brandon? And they're like, you mean... Rebbe, Brandon. And we're like, he became a Rebbe. Anyway, they give us his address. We get to his address, and we see, like, a bit of his beard hanging out the door. So we just, like, kind of follow him, you know, all the way across his house, up the desk, across his Kabbalistic manuscripts, straight up to his chin. And we say, <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> it didn't work. You did good. You did great. That was amazing. Straight up to his chin. And we asked him, Brother B, Rebbe, who is God? And his eyes spinning like this. And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> because it's unknowable. It's unknowable. It's a, something amazing about it, though, 
and that is that it's the only thing you can't get in this world. It's the only thing you can't get. We'll never get it. Like, I spend my life every single day dedicated to connecting myself to God, to fuse myself with God. I've been in the mikvah this morning. I've said all kinds of prayers. I actually led the prayers today. So I did the double. I did the repetition as well. Like, I, And I was into it. I was like, I'm doing everything to fuse with the Creator. I'll never get it. I'll never get it. And even when I die, like, yeah, of course, my, my visage will be a lot better because my brain won't be obscuring it with all my thoughts about surfing and mountain biking and craft beer. And... Like, so now I'll just have pure consciousness as opposed to my crazy brain consciousness. Thinking about zip lining all day and stuff like that. And the, and so, even with that, I'll never get it. Yeah, but not but, getting his gun. Right, well, that's what I'm about to say, is that it's the one thing you can't get, but you're always fulfilled. And all the things you can get, you're never fulfilled. Everything else you can get. I promise you, you put your mind on anything, you'll get it. Whatever it is, you'll get it. Whether it's an object, whether it's a career, whether it's a, a spouse, like you put your mind on it and you put all your efforts into it. God created the world in such a way that it conspires to fulfill your desire. But you'll never, ever, ever feel the fulfillment that you feel from the acquisition of, actually, I said one thing, but it's really two, God and the wisdom of the Torah. The wisdom of the Torah, those two things, the highest, the highest. And you, you should know something, by the way, I know you're all looking at me like I'm the rabbi in the class. We're all in the same picture. When it comes to our Torah knowledge, <coughs> we're basically all the same here. We're all the same. I'm not, <laughs> you're all looking at me like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like, don't patronize me. Don't patronize me, rabbi. We are not in the same place. But you know we are in the same place. I'll give you an, an analogy. Imagine, uh, what's your name? Moshe Shalom. Imagine you raced, uh, who was the pot-smoking swimmer that won an Olympic medal or two? Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, yeah, I'm sure he didn't inhale. No. And, or was that Clinton? The, uh, <laughs> someone didn't inhale. Anyway, so imagine Moshe versus, Moshe versus Michael Phelps on the 100-yard swim. Yeah, who's going to win? Michael Phelps, meaning while your water's still splashing from your dive, he's already on the other side. But you ready for this, Moshe? You versus Michael Phelps in the Atlantic Ocean, right in the center. The center of the Atlantic Ocean, who wins? Nobody. Yeah, the ocean, very good. The ocean wins. Nobody wins that. Nobody wins that. He may live longer, but no one's going to win. And that's our Torah. That's our Torah. So, I mean, I, I don't want to be arrogant and say I've already hit my ankles on the beach. Like, I already got water splashing against my ankles. And maybe some of you got your toes in there. But we know nothing. But here's the thing. It's always fulfilling. So let me, let me just share with you a poem. I don't Aviva. get something. I don't get why I'm always the one um, that's um, picked on in class. You feel picked on? I'm just, like, picked on, but, like, in a good way. But I just want to... Understand that because I don't get that. So, what was that? I'll speak to you privately afterwards. Okay. About it. I'll explain this it. Is, uh, I'll explain it. Later. Oh, thank you so much, Kobe. You're the best. Thank you. Okay, that's Water. Um, anyone want water? Uh, like me? We need cups. Uh, he's bringing, did he say he's bringing cups? Yes. He's yeah. bringing cups. 
Amazing. Does anyone want the rest of my cappuccino? I don't drink coffee in the afternoon. It was just that I was standing next to the machine and I pressed play. <laughs> and I took a sip. It was delicious. It's really a wonderful cup of ca- cappuccino. Moshe. Oh, <clears throat> okay, we're almost there. Um, what, I was just talking about something. Oh, no, I was going to tell you a quick poem. Quick poem. You ready for this? When you're hungry for bread, you'll lie. When you're hungry for God, you tell the truth. When you desire bread, you'll steal. When you desire God, you give. When you desire bread, you kill. When you desire God, you give life. When you desire bread, you're so empty. When you desire God, you are so full. It's the only thing that you can never acquire, but you're always fulfilled in its pursuit, whereas everything else you can get, you're always going to have that diminishing return situation. Okay, you'll take care of it? Yeah. Thank you so much. What did you say? How did you feel yesterday fasting? I don't fast well. I don't fast well. Thank God my class was not on the first afternoon because I don't teach when I fast really. I I have taught, but it's not a scenario. My brain needs a little food. See, I'm pretty thin. Oh, I fasting. Oh, I'm not a big food guy. Do I look like a big food guy? <laughs> but my my digestive system's like a furnace. Like I literally, I think my whole entire digestive system was like like four hours. And it's uh, so if I don't get fueled up, fueled up, fueled up, I'm a schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> Mom is a schmuck. And yesterday I was a schmuck. It was the first time in 25 years I finished class early. <laughs> I actually finished class. <laughs> it was like 10 minutes. I was supposed to finish at 11. It was 10 minutes to 11. I'm like, we're done. I'm leaving. Goodbye. You broke a I mean, a broke No. Broke a Okay, here we go. Now, there's two things we know about God, which sounds crazy, because we just got through saying there's nothing you can conceive of. But there are two things we know. What are the two things we know? The first thing we know is that... The first thing we know is that it is... It is one. It is one. How do we know it's one? Come on. Oh, too many people once? Right, excellent. You can't have two ones. Yeah? You can't have two nothings. You can't have two nothings. If it's absolute nothing, then you can't have two of them. What if you multiply nothing by 30? What do you get, Michael? Nothing. You can multiply, uh, divide nothing by 30. Sandy? It's always going to be nothing. So it's one. But this isn't the regular one you're used to, like monotheism. You know what I call all those religions out there? I call them softcore monotheism. 
Judaism is hardcore monotheism. It is not the belief that there's one God. To me, that's boring. What about all those Greeks? The Greeks had like an amazing array of gods. You know, it was like interesting. The belief in one God is boring. Okay, it's boring. Nowhere in our Torah does it ever say there's one God. Okay, we know there's one God, but it never says it. It always says that God is one. Okay, remember growing up with Shema? It doesn't say Hero Israel, the Lord of God. There's one of them. It's Hero Israel. Lord of God, Lord, is one. Which is amazing. It's super amazing. And uh, I'm just writing the word ness, oneness. It's an absolute undifferentiated oneness. Now, this oneness seems to have some kind of an intelligence. This we also know, except I don't know how to spell intelligence. trying to explain some words that we understand, but it's something we don't understand. Oh, we definitely do not understand this. But we're not at the actual parts that we don't understand totally. We're at the part where it's like, if all there was was God, what did God use to create the world? His infinite wisdom, which we don't understand. Excellent, excellent. So, but we're going to go even more precise. Okay. More precise. Because wisdom comes way later. Way later. Okay, there's first Ratzon. Ratzon comes before that. Okay, and then there's going to be Chochmah, Bin and Das, and all that stuff, which is the infinite wisdom. And then it's going to be Chesed, Word, Tepet, so there's a lot there. I'm talking before it all. If all, I'm asking you like this, if all there was was God, what did God use to create the world? If all there was was himself, what did himself use to create the world? Himself. If all there was was himself, he made the world out of himself. But God is not made of anything, because he's an infinite being. And this place looks pretty solid. So we're going to have to discuss that. And on top of that, I'd like to mention a little bit about gender, because you notice I keep calling this infinite being E. I mean, slicha, but infinite beings generally don't have genitalia. <laughs> and if it did, it'd be really scary. <laughs> Just ask Mary. No. Why am I calling it he? It's the weirdest thing to be calling God he. And we certainly wouldn't call it she, because that'd be just as scary. <laughs> so why am I calling God he? And we always call him he. And in Hebrew, it's always he. He. Blessed is he, and blessed is his name, and he, he, he. Why is it he? So the answer is, now I know this mystifies people, but it's really very simple. All of creation was male and female. Absolutely everything in creation. For example, this cup is female, and the water is male. Okay? Every single thing is male and female. The window is male. The frame of the window is female. Okay? The handle is male and female. Your desk is being held by male and female. Your chair is being held up by male and female. Every single thing is male and female. The door is male. The door posts are female. The, the hinges are every single thing. And what it is is the entire creation is made of, of assertion and 
receiver. There's an asserter and there's a receiver. Asserter and a receiver in every single thing. There's nothing you can actually look at. I don't want to make it. You guys go like crazy obsessing about these thoughts because you'll be like, you'll wind up in the funny part of thinking too much about it. But the but every single thing, there's nothing you can think of that doesn't have asserter and receiver in it. Everything's going on. Like no matter what, I'm thinking about my glasses. Like like no matter what I look at, my watch, you know, my belt. Like, everything's asserter and receiver. That's all there is. That's all God made. Every plant is either male or female. Every animal is either male or female. Every human is male or female. God created the world this way. The whole world's like this. Asserter, receiver, asserter, receiver. The male is called the asserter. Not that women can't be assertive, believe me. We had a woman who ran all of Israel. Her name was Devorah. She ran our entire country. She was the head of Israel for a period of time. In fact, there was a, a battle that the head of the military refused to go to without her. You know, and she she actually said to him, I mean, she, this must have been more chauvinist time. She says, if I go, this victory is going to go down in my name instead of yours. He's like, come, please. Like, I'll take it in your name. You know, and he, she went, she went in the victory of that. It was a major victory of Cicero. And, uh, and the king of, uh, Cicero. Where was Cicero I don't know. He wasn't cool though. Know, he was attacking the Jews. Now, if all there was was him, so guess what? We are. I'm calling. I'm going back to it. Okay. We are it. Now it has a totally different name. Watch this. I'm going to make a circle here. That circle is the finite world, and this is, you know, it's expanding, it's expanding, it's the expanding universe. And out here is God, or whatever it expands into, but apparently it's a finite going into the infinite. Okay? And let's say this is you. Hello. <laughs> now, now, the, obviously this map's not to scale, okay? And, but you're in there wondering, like, what is going on in there? And... Anyway, but that's you. Now, this is an infinite being. The word infinite means unlimited by space and time. Okay? Infinite, when it comes to, you know, I'm not talking about math infinite. It's unlimited by space and time. That's the word infinite. Unlimited by space and time. Finite. Somebody, somebody commented over here that Cicero was the commander of the Canaanite army, king of Javan Azar. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome anytime. Whoever that is to comment and be part of our class. Yo. Finite definition, limited by space and time. Infinite, unlimited by space and time. Finite, limited by space and time. Okay, everybody, don't answer out loud. Give everyone a chance to think about this. But what is wrong with that picture? Something wrong with that picture. An infinite being, unlimited by space and time. Finite is our world in here. Limited by space. What's wrong with the picture? Don't answer out loud. Just raise your hand when you think you got it. Okay, let's see who's got a hand. What's your name? Brian. Brian got a hand. Okay. I won't ask any more names in case you're shy. Whoever, who else wants to raise your hand? You know because you're my student. David, <laughs> uh, you don't have to answer this or you busted. No, what's wrong with the picture? 
I won't call on you. Just let me just get a show of your hand who's got a theory of what's wrong with this thing. Again, infinite, unlimited by space and time. Finite, limited by space and time. What's wrong with the picture if God's unlimited by space and time? I'm just saving Ashatora's ink by not keep going here. Okay? Oh, oh, yeah, what was the O? Uh, well, if he's infinite and you're finite, how can he, how can it, how can the, that limits him having you inside? Excellent, having the physical world inside. Right. So yeah. where would those, according to hardcore monotheism, where would those squiggly lines have to be? Throughout. Also, inside. excellent, that's why I love the word infinite, infinite. And in goes the squiggly lines. New definition of the word infinite. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. We like this class. This is actually my favorite part of the day because people are real, you know. Where I live, you, you can't tell if this guy's cat just died. You know? They walk by you with a poker face. Okay? And this, my friends, is hardcore monotheism. And if you ever want to understand any of the mitzvahs, you're looking at it right there. That's every mitzvah, right there, right there. Meaning six days a week, we're involved in the masculine, which is asserting ourselves on creation, six days a week. Let me bring the circle back, okay? Six days a week, we assert ourselves on the creation. Come Shabbat, get out of the circle and let it be filled with, yeah, let it be filled with, with godliness. Yeah. Six days a week. Brit Milah, the circumcision. Okay, you got a natural body, that's part of the circle. And we we part with that part of the body. A little part of that body. We we separate from them. And the real mitzvah of Brit Milah is when? When when's the mitzvah of Brit Milah? Eighth day, you wish. Brit Milah begins the first time you have a sexual thought. That's that's the cover. That's your cover. It's not the eighth day. eighth day. By the way, they just came out scientifically that the thickest your blood ever is is on the eighth day of your life. Vitamin K. Yeah, they just found that the most vitamin K or something. Yeah, but that was way thick. Okay, but they, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. I didn't that know was, People know it. So, anyway. It's everything. Stucca. Stucca. When I give money, like this morning, you know you, can, you know what I'm talking about, where they're coming around in the chul. So you're just like boom, 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 hitting everybody. You're, you're just letting the circle go. Because those are the two epicenters. Sexuality and money. That's it. You know, those are the survival and reproduction. Every plant, animal, and human has a voice in their head for survival and reproduction. And look, the, the tzedakah we give. You know, everything. On Yom Kippur, we divorce the circle. We leave the circle. We fast. We're celibate. We're like monks. It's like Buddhist day. Yeah? On Yom Kippur, we divorce the circle. Purim, we drink so much wine that we blur the circle. Every single holiday is about this. <coughs> Everything's about this. Everything boils down to hardcore monotheism. And we have two names for this. Have you ever noticed there's two names of God going on all the time? You ever notice that? There's always two, two names of God going on. You got... You got one that is talking about God outside of space and time. 
And then you got one that's talking about how God fills space and time. The one that's outside space and time is the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, which we call Hashem in Israel. That's called the name because it's the Creator's name. And if you think about it, if the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He is fascinating because do you know that the name God is my favorite name of all the names, even over the Hebrew names? The English name God I like better than all the Hebrew names. You know why? Because it doesn't mean anything. Like this physicist, I taught this at uh, our MIT here. It's called Technion University. I taught this at Technion University, the graduate department. This guy raises his hand. It's the physics department. And he's like, Rabbi, like, like you tell us, if, you know, it was God. Like, should we all go home? Should we give back our grant money? And I say, I said, listen, you know, what does God mean? And he looks perplexed for a moment. And then he's like, touche. It's my favorite name because it doesn't mean anything. Because our minds could never, ever grasp it. Whereas all the names in Hebrew are verbs. These are verbs. Let me show you this one, for example. Let me teach you a little secret in Kabbalah. The letters of Kabbalah, if they're up above, they're talking about the spiritual world. And if they're talking down below, they're talking about the physical world. Okay? There's the spiritual and there is the physical. So if you look at the letter Yud, for example you'll see that a Yud does not even touch Earth. It's planning. It's, it's thinking. Sorry, it's not even planning. It's just it's that part of your brain that just comes up with all the ideas. It's your genius part of your brain. I'm a very Yud, not that I'm a genius, but I'm a very Yud personality. I'm not a big implementer. Someone works for me for that. I've, you know, my entire salary for this organization goes to that person. It's the funniest thing. I, I literally take my salary from this place and I hand it to my implementer. Now, a yud is just an idea. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a thought. That'd be like, I feel like dairy. Okay? Then there's some, that's why it's, that's called chokmah. Then what happens is that yud, which is a seminal thought, a seminal thought that needs to gestate. Where does it gestate? It gestates in what would be R&D people, which I, one day I will be able to afford. And I, I can't afford those people right now, but I will. That's the hey, okay? And the hey is the dimension of the thought. So I was thinking dairy, but what do I want? Do I want now there, here's the here's the dimension of that thought. Do I want pizza? Do I want yogurt? Do I want cheese? Do I want cottage cheese? Do I want milk? What kind of dairy do I want? You understand? That's the dimension of a thought of I want dairy. Or I want to start a new program that I'm gonna be running in in the US, for example. That's a nice thought. But I need to, that thought's got to get fleshed out. And that's the R&D department of every business. And again, one day I'll have it, because I already have the other letters. Vav, I've had for the last 10 years, I've had a Vav personality. By the way, every Hebrew letter starts with a Yud. You see that? Every, when a sofa writes a Torah, he always starts with a Yud, because everything starts here. It's God's wisdom. It's coming here. Okay, and this is called Chokmah, this is called Bina. The next is the Vav. Now the Vav is what? Implementation. Implementation. Any of you who have Yud minds here, you've got to have a Vav working for you. And some of you say, oh, I can't afford to pay someone you know, that kind of salary. I don't, have, I don't have any money. I'm an artist. Van Gogh sold his first painting the last year of his life because he didn't understand this principle of God's name, which is, starts with a Yud. It goes to a Vav. Implementation. 
And I give a promise, I've always given this promise, that anyone who's a youth thinker, can you turn on the AC, please? That anyone who's a youth thinker, and wants to pay someone, let's say, two grand a month to be a VUV, you can get a new person later, you can get someone more executive. But start with just a good VUV personality. Let's say you're going to pay him two grand a month. That's going to be half a year. You got him at 12 grand. And you say, well, I don't have 12 grand. Oh, yeah? Well, go to a bank. Go to a bank and borrow 12 grand. You don't have to show a bank anything to borrow 12 grand. You don't have to see a fancy car or a nice house. Nothing. I, so here's my promise, is that you will have paid back that bank before the six months is done. That guy's going to be paid for himself. And now, instead of you starving, you're supporting your family and another family. And then there's the people on the floor of the Apple store. They're the actual dimension of the you know, point of sale. And that's the final pay person. Okay? That's the dimension of... This is the... Meaning the person who implements for me is not the kind of person I want on the floor. They're just way too straight with the clients. You understand? They'll hate you know, they, they, I need people on the floor who smile. They're friendly. They're caring. They, you get a sense like, I want to be part of this. Okay? Whereas an implementer personality, you don't want them near your clients. Okay? Keep them away from your clients. Keep them in an office somewhere. Okay? <coughs> They're business administrators. Okay? Administration. It's above. Is that clear? So God's name is not a noun, it's a, it's a verb. Even our doorpost has a shin, dalit, and yud in it, which represents that it's enough. Remember I said God doesn't just expand the universe, but he also orders it, orders it. And that's shin, dalit, yud, which stands for shet, die, which is that it's enough. You know the word die in Hebrew doesn't mean to die. It means enough. That it's enough. Enough expansion. Now we need to coagulate. We need emulsion to, to create the physical world. It's another verb. Every word's a verb. Okay, we're almost done. We are it. So let's just apply this, ladies and gentlemen, spiritually. Number six is one second. It's very easy. Number five, ready? Let's apply it. When I'm sitting at my Shabbos table and I got my shrine on, I'm looking down the table at my wife. Who am I looking at according to Judaism? According to monotheism. Who am I looking at at the end of the table? Who is that person? Okay, I forgot to put another name of God. This is... This is Elohim. You guys notice every bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu. Every single bracha always has this. Okay? Two names. One name represents surrounding space and time, one name is feeling space and time. Sometimes my kids will say, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu. Feeling space and time. You notice there's a plural here. Yud and Mem at the end of the word is a plural. How can monotheists have a plural name of God? Answer is that it represents how God's in everything. It's number five. We are in it. And so that's the name Elohim. When I'm looking across the table on Shabbat, who am I looking at? I'm looking at God. It's called Elokut in Kabbalah. Elokut. I'm looking at God. And who are those kids at the side of my table? That's God. And who's and what is that taste I'm getting when I'm drinking my IPA? called Elokus. I'm drinking with God. Okay? And when I'm looking at the Swiss Alps, I'm taking a group of executives there in three weeks, not too late to jump on, everyone wants to jump on. 
Okay? It's going to be amazing. Intense, uh, super intensive uh, meditation trip to the Swiss Alps for exams. Sorry, it's only men in this trip. When we'll be at the Swiss Alps, that's all Elokus. It's all God. Everything's made of God. That's all there is. That's all there's ever been. But if God is infinite, then why do you say that he has all these We'll never know the answer. You know, religion will religions will make up an answer. We're the only we're the only people in the world who we just don't know. We can never know. No one ever got a chance to interview him. It's the wildest thing that we don't know. Yeah, like make it up. You know, come on, rabbis, don't you make everything else up? <laughs> Can you make up like why God did it? You know, and the answer is no. We don't make things up. And even big questions like that, if we don't know the answer, the answer is we don't know. If it was never given to us. We don't know why He did it. We know now that we're here, what we're doing. We know we're here to have a relationship with, like a moth to a light bulb. But why an infinite being implemented all this stuff? I, I can't imagine He was born. <laughs> okay, last step, guys. This is it. We're finished. Almost. Okay? Before there was something, there was nothing. That nothing is what we call God. It's got to be absolute oneness. It's made of intelligence. That was the fourth thing I didn't tell you, but if you know anything about physics, this is all made of intelligence. Everything you're looking at is made of intelligence. So the intelligence made the, intel made the world out of its intelligence. Is this English? Am I speaking English? Kind of. No, this is all vibrational energy. It's moving across the room in wave patterns, hitting a tympanic membrane in your head. Little monkeys playing extreme math into your head, going up the nerves, hitting your cerebral cortex where your neurons fire, don't fire, fire, don't fire. You have billions of them. Well, when you have fire, don't fire, you got ones and zeros, which is binary. It's all simply intelligence. Every single thing in the physical world is intelligence. So the intelligence made the world out of the intelligence, and now we actually know enough physics to know that the whole thing's made of intelligence. Now, the last thing is, number six, very important, is it ain't, sorry, I'm using uh, Latin, it ain't us, okay? It ain't us. We are it, it ain't us. You got that? We are it, it ain't us, okay? I don't want anyone running down to the coattail later and saying, it's God. I've arrived. <laughs> I just came from step five of Rabbi Glazer's class. And I realized that I am God. So here I am, everybody. At the Kota. That's the last thing we knew. They're like, you should have stayed for the last last the last part. Yeah? Because we are it for sure. Because it anything it makes, it is. Anything it makes, it is. So we are it. But it ain't us, it's an infinite being infinitely beyond us. So I'm going to finish with the following analogy and then we're all done. Imagine I dip this cup of water into the Atlantic Ocean and I'm walking around Greenwich Village. If you want, I can say Pacific Ocean and walk around Bats Beach. It's the same thing. Okay? And I'm walking around and I'm saying, I'll go with the Atlantic. It looks like a more East Coast class today. So I'm walking around the Atlantic. And I'm walking around, sorry, I'm walking around Greenwich Village and I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic Ocean. Ladies and gentlemen, the Atlantic Ocean. I've got the Atlantic Ocean, man. Got the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> anyway, after a while, I get one of these, like, post-9-11 cops. He's like, 
Jesus. Come on over here, son. And he's like, takes my water, brings me in for questioning. This goes to a lab. I'm sitting there. I feel like I'm sitting with my shrink. And he's like, how long have you been thinking this way about this tub of water? And he finally, a guy comes out of a lab coat with clipboard. Officer says to him, what's, on, what's in the water? He says, he says, sir, we did a whole run-up on it. It's the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> can I take this? Can I, can I leave now? Now, why is it ridiculous to call this the Atlantic Ocean? The answer is obvious, because this cup to the Atlantic Ocean is a gigantic difference, right? It's a huge ratio. Do you guys know what the ratio is of this cup of water to the Atlantic Ocean? you know what the ratio is? Absolutely no idea. Yeah, well, I checked it out before I came in today. It's one to a godzillion. Only God knows how many zillions of cups are in there. It's one to a godzillion. You can use that, by the way. That's something I made up years ago, and my kids all use it. It's anytime there's a ratio that it has a finite ratio, but it's not knowable, really. It's a godzillion. Okay? Only God knows how many zillions. It's, it's finite. But. Okay, now, here's our final question. What's a bigger ratio? This cup to the Atlantic Ocean or our entire expanding universe into an infinite being? Which one's a bigger ratio? Yeah, the latter is a bigger ratio. And when you start thinking about that, and I suggest meditating on that if you're not too ADHD, you start thinking about that and realize that God's been orchestrating your life for you putting everyone around you, everyone's like, literally like, it's almost like, it's almost like there was a movie called The Truman Show, it's almost like everyone's like, in your film, orchestrated around you, yet you're in their film, and you're being orchestrated around them, yet we all have free will, which is insane, by a being that's, that the ratio of that being to our expanding universe is infinitesimal, it's wild. And it's not just you. I mean, even like right now, probably someone's kicking over a Coke can by accident on the hotel stairs. And there's a bunch of ants, ants like having kiddish because they were going to die in the sun. You know, and now they're like sitting in all the Coca-Cola and stuff. We're, this whole place is being orchestrated by a being that's beyond our wildest grasp of how big it is. Thank you very much, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.